gotta go faster than the speed of light, far beyond the speed of light. You gotta break the rule, Barry, and you've gotta do it now. I want you to know your kid was one of them, Dad. One of the best of the best. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's time for another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. I'm Ben. I'm here with my buddy, Zach. Yeah, we've switched yep, roles. I'm Zach. I'm Zach. We switched <laughs> bodies ben. today. Yeah, we, 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 we switched. And uh, we've also I got... I live another... in Texas. <laughs> Yeehaw! I love Whataburger. Hey, it's what a burger. Oh, I'm I thought sp- it no. was Waterburger. I'm switching bodies back to Zach because of that insult. Hey, shut the- up, Batman. <laughs> We've also I, I've, I've never actually had Waterburger to my memory. I just remember as a kid, I thought it was called Waterburger. <laughs> yeah, people, people make had- those. For All those the time. who don't, for those who don't understand this joke, we had a very intense discussion between myself, Chris, Dominic, Jeffrey White, and several other people. I think Mondo was probably there. Um, we were in the car going to Whataburger, and it was like, "Let's go to Whataburger," and someone said, "No, it's Whataburger," and then it just spiraled out of control from there. And anytime we're all together, it's like Whataburger, Whataburger, Whataburger. It's uh, it's tiring sometimes. Um, sorry and, about that little tangent. Me and Dominic have our own little thing too, because like back in 2015, when we went to Mississippi to go see The Force Awakens, um, you were trying to give us directions to the local bookstore. I think it was a Books a Million, maybe maybe a Barnes right, and Noble. Right, right. You you said to Chris that he needs to turn up in here to get <laughs> in the parking lot. <laughs> And Dominic and I were in the back seat, and literally at the exact same time, we started going up in here, up in here. <laughs> and from that point on, like when when we met in California for um, for Rise of Skywalker, we like embraced <laughs> by saying up in here, up in here. Like that's our thing now, apparently. And so, like, I, I love the inside jokes that we get to have, and now we get to have a new inside joke with Batman joining us on the broadcast. He goes by the alias Steven Schinder by day, but since it is nightfall, Batman is on the program with us. And it's very apropos because we are discussing the Snyder Cut 
That's right. We had a part one discussion two weeks ago when I was out of town. I was in San Antonio uh, with my family, little mini vacation thing. I appreciate you guys covering for me. Um, But tonight we are continuing that discussion along with some news, along with some fun announcements. We actually got our our very first advertisement of the night coming up later. The very very first ad that we've done since we've switched to YouTube, which is a pretty big deal for us. Um, so we've got all that and a whole lot more. Uh, basically, you guys covered parts one through three uh, and maybe a little yes. bit more, more or less on the episode two weeks ago. So this is going to be four through six and then some touch up work on the epilogue because that's almost mm-hmm. its own section in and of itself. Yeah. And so there's there's going to be a lot to cover and a short amount of time. So um, Let's let's go into the news really quick. Um, we've got about four or five things we're going to touch on, and yeah. then we'll uh, we'll jump into the discussion of the Snyder Cut. Thanks to everybody that is watching live. Be sure to hit that share button on your social pages and let folks know that we're live. We're going to be going for the next hour and a half to two hours probably, so they got plenty of time to jump in on this discussion. There's a lot of Kenobi rumors going around, oh, yes. and Ben being our resident Star Wars expert, being the host of the Star Wars Underworld, even if he does burp on the show on occasion. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, what have I done that? I've totally done that. <laughs> Dude, talk to me, man. What is going on with these Kenobi rumors, and how much of it should we be believing? Yeah, it's uh, it's coming in, and there's a lot of it, and I, from what I understand, some pretty reliable sources. Um, Cinelinks, which is, uh, I think, associated with Jordan Mason on uh, Twitter. You've probably seen him around. He's, he's a pretty good source. Um, and I don't know other their scoops. It, it's hard to tell sometimes. It's not coming for we got this covered. I know that for a fact. So <laughs> I think we're safe enough. there. We don't talk about that on this program. But uh, there's been some stuff, and of course, this is I could, could be considered spoilers, may not be considered spoilers. Continuing on you, who you talk to, um, obviously, this concerns the plot of Obi Wan Kenobi and some cameos. Um, so you know, if you don't want to know anything, maybe skip ahead a couple minutes. Um, but we're gonna jump into this really quick, and so basically, the first thing is that they are casting, or they have cast for the role of a young Princess Leia in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, it's Vivian Lyra Blair, is a young actress. She's known for We Can Be Heroes and Bird Box. Um, and she's been cast, and she's very young. As you can imagine, Leia, you know, this is set about 10 years after Revenge of Sith, so she's about 10. Um, and so apparently the... You know, the series is going to feature Leia in some capacity. It could be a small cameo, but I think they're saying that it could be kind of the crux of the show. And also, um, another thing that they added on to this is the fact that uh, actor Sun Kang, I believe is his name, um, he, who you know from as Han Solo in the new Fast and the Furious movie, um, he is apparently... Uh, he has been officially cast in the thing. This is a official thing, but they're okay. saying that he has been cast as an inquisitor and specifically the fifth brother. And that's the gray skinned, big hulking dude that you see in season two of star Wars rebels. Yeah. It's season two. Yeah. yeah so, so we could be seeing, 
are apparently we'll be seeing Leia and a, an, an Inquisitor that we've already seen. And I think the Inquisitor thing has been kind of floating around that there that maybe Inquisitors, and obviously they're a big part of Star Wars canon, so it makes sense. But uh, two, possibly one, you know, you know, a, a name that Star Wars Rebels fans will know, and a massive name for Star Wars fans, and two, you know, prominent characters showing up that I didn't expect to see in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, I didn't expect to see Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. I'm just putting that out I, I was not that was that was one thing that I was not expecting in the least. Uh and so it wouldn't surprise me for them to try and include a like an original trilogy character in order to draw in that fan base cuz that precedent has already been set by previous Disney Plus Star Wars TV shows. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a possibility. I don't know how I feel about having Leia in the show. Batman, how do you feel about that prospect and what the what the casting is looking like as this show continues to be in development? I'm Batman. Um no, but um yeah, the whole Leia thing, it's like if you watch a new hope, it seems like she's never met Obi-Wan. Right. Um but I mean you could do some like gymnastics to sort of justify it i guess to make it make sense like star wars has done with other things um the thing is it could be good just don't do cgi face again like that's all i ask (laughs) like if you're gonna show kid kid leia or kid luke don't do cgi faces of the original actors in a way that's like the george lopez show with the kids with the big heads and the flashbacks (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of CGI face. I, I mean, the flashbacks they did with Ray in the sequel trilogy were pretty cool, showing like a little, little Ray. Yeah, and those forward. were good. Tarkin was good. Just Luke and Mandalorian just didn't work for me. Okay. Yeah. It. It. it, it I, I get that. I do. I think Leia's face in the flashback for Rise of Skywalker was the one that that hurt me the most. Like that, that one was, well, I was fine with that, but again, I, I would it'll vary from person to person, I guess it does. It does. But I, I think, I think they'd be able to work around it. If something happens to her and Obi-Wan has to be the one that goes to like rescue her or something, but she's just so traumatized by it. She tries to forget it or she's unconscious when he retrieves her or something like that. Like there's a way for them to meet without actually meeting kind of like what they did in the clone wars when they did the prisoner exchange with Grievous and Anakin on Naboo. Like you're, you still allow for that that interaction in revenge of the Sith without actually having them meet in that particular episode. So there are workarounds and, and I could see them trying it. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Toronto Freddy in the chat says there's a Han Solo in a Fast and Furious movie. Just the character named Han Freddy. But everybody jokes about it being Han Solo. And um, it's 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 a running gag, I guess. But it's yeah. not one that I subscribe to. He died and then he came back. I think I don't yeah, keep up with did. that franchise, but yeah, uh, yeah stuff happens. And, and they said something about how you know nothing's more important than family, and then it takes nine movies for Dom's brother to show up. So 
like well it's john I, cena you know, so we didn't see him <laughs> yeah he was in all the movies he was in the movies we just didn't see john cena you're right and his name is john cena which by the way he showed up <laughs> at the wwe event in fort worth which is like just down the street from where i live wow and basically broke the wrestling side of the internet because he hasn't been seen on the WWE scene in years. And wow. like this, this dude, this big buff dude that looked like Walmart, Jason Momoa started, you know, talking about how like he's the undisputed champion and stuff. And then like this screen just pops up John Cena's face in the background. And he oh just like gosh. comes out from the screen and everybody's <laughs> freaking out. Mondo was at that event and sent what? me a video to make me jealous. And I was like, oh dude, my I, God. I freaking hate you right now. Freaking <laughs> hate you. Because, like, normally I wouldn't recognize any of the faces. I wouldn't really recognize any of the, of the stuff that goes on at a WWE event. But if I had gone, I would have been in the same room as John freaking Cena. And his name is John Cena. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so we were talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we all know that he lives beyond the Dune Sea. And I heard there was a Dune trailer out. So who's seen the Dune trailer? Who's been beyond the Dune Sea? I I watched it like a freaking three-minute 20 second trailer. It's a long trailer. Yeah, I have yeah, minutes. It's, it's long. It's like wow. an extended preview or something. But I'm going to just go ahead and drop a hot take right here, right now. This is going to be up to this point in his career. This is going to be Oscar Isaac's best movie. Mm, that's, a, that's a hot take because he's been in a it's lot of good hot, movies. A hot take. I, I enjoyed him in Star Wars, I even enjoyed him in Ex Machina. But I feel like the role that he plays and the the way that he looks, I mean, we're not even going to talk about X-Men Apocalypse right now, but like the, the role that he plays in this trailer leads me to believe that the role he's going to play in the film is going to be, you know, fairly significant and important. I don't know the players. I don't know the cast. Yeah. I don't really know much of the, of the story that's going on. So a lot of what I watched was very jumbled and distorted and disfigured for me it looked like there were three or four different key players and and they all had different parts Stack to play maybe cast. like this incredible cast they, and there's so yeah, many I'm big actors it's a huge cast and I'll, I'll get to that but just the storyline didn't make a whole lot of sense to me i saw stuff that looked like sand crawlers from a new hope like straight <laughs> up jawas coming out of the dunes here but the, the the visuals looked compelling. The music was really compelling. The the action sequences that they revealed looked pretty cool. And again, the cast, all of those things they've got going for it. So I've got AMC A-List reactivated. Probably going to go see it. Curious what you guys thought of it and if you plan on seeing it. Batman, what about you? So I've listened to the audiobook of Dune. Um, and obviously it was influential on Star Wars and I thought the book was okay. Like there were some concepts I thought were intriguing, but just the way it was written, it's like, uh, I think it's just okay overall. Like there's this podcast called Hello from the Magic Tavern where they made a joke. It's like, 
I'm gonna be honest, it's okay, but you can kind of steal from it and make better things from it. And that's kind of how I feel. Um, the, I've seen the David Lynch movie adaptation from the 80s. It has good atmospheric stuff, but it's David Lynch's worst film overall. Wow. Uh, the t- Yeah, the TV miniseries was a closer adaptation, but the effects aren't as great. So um, so even though I'm not a huge Dune fan, I'm still excited for this particular film adaptation. I, I feel like this could be the thing that makes me fully buy into the Dune world, like presented in this fashion. And, you know, there, I think there's this expectation that this movie could change. Uh, well, like it could be something unique for cinema, but at the same time, like some audiences today might not appreciate it enough for what it is as artistic as it may end up being, you know? Uh, Yeah. But I mean, my, my, my problem is people said the same thing about avatar and it really didn't change cinema as we know it. Like people, there's the 3d craze again. (laughs) Yeah. The 3d craze, but how long did it last? Like not even a decade. Like, right, like I mean, you can still see a movie in 3D. I mean, it happens. <laughs> yeah, well, like I'm like I'm in the minority of people who is still likes Avatar and still wants to see the sequel. But like, because there hasn't been as much coming out from that franchise, it's like it hasn't had that much of an influence in the last several years. I don't think. So I'm curious. No, to see, like, it's on Disney Plus, Cameron isn't it? Do. Sorry, is it on Disney Plus? Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, last, I mean, last I checked, anyway. I, I I intend to watch it. Like, I never got a chance to see it in the theater, and yeah, that's yeah. probably like one of my one of my top five like movie regrets is like not going to see that. I also regret not seeing The Shape of Water when it was in the theater run. But um, there there there's just a, there's a few of those that I'm like, I really wish I'd gotten around to doing that, and I'm finally gonna get around to doing it now that it's on Disney Plus. But like, I didn't really have the inclination when it came out. And people did rant and rave about it, and yeah, there was a lot of 3D craze going on. But like looking looking at the the changing of the shape of cinema now, Marvel has done that way more than 3D movies have right. done. Right, for better you know, or worse. <laughs> one one way or another, the the no matter how you stack it, no matter how you look at it, Marvel has had the biggest influence on movies in the last ten years, way more than 3D films have. Right, and so and, and but, it's, we don't. We don't measure like impact on cinema like we used to. Like George Lucas with Star Wars literally revolutionized visual effects and movies and changed yeah. everything. Like yeah. we'll never see something like that again. Like that was almost like the move from black and white to color in like that type of change. Um, and speaking of Star Wars, like my only reference point with Dune is its impact on star wars like you know that you have the dunes you have spice you have all the stuff that's come way back from the book that was directly influenced by star wars was directly influenced star wars and so i'm i'm curious like see like a good adaptation because i've only heard bad things about the original and you know it looks really good i actually like when people start talking about oh the dune trailers i'm like do i care about this movie I don't. I don't know if I actually care about this movie. Then I watched the trailer. And I'm like, okay, I do. I I genuinely like. I I like the feel, look of the trailer. I like that it was like it was serious. Obviously, very you know, you know, high and, but it also was a little funny. 
Like you had some camaraderie between Duncan and Duncan Idaho, you know, and Jason Momoa. Like right. I like that. I think it, I'm glad the movie's like like not too pretentious about like being dark and serious. Like it's a little bit lighthearted, so I appreciate that. That's what I'm looking for in a movie. Um, and Denny Villeneuve, like he's amazing. Like I think, and also famous for making excellent movies that nobody watches. So hopefully he gets a better <laughs> shake in this one. Okay. I'm going to read off this cast list. I got it pulled up on IMDb. Have a listen to this and tell me if this doesn't sound like, like an Avengers movie or something by this casting. Jason Momoa, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, Dave Bautista, Oscar Isaac, Javier Bardem, Stellan Skarsgård. Like... That right there is enough to make me just drop my jaw. And then there's a few like co-starring type actors that I have heard of or have seen in other films. A couple of cameos from a couple of other people. But for the most part, I'm looking at this going, holy smokes. It, <laughs> it's just loaded. And honestly, this is like the year of Dave Bautista. Like, what the heck? First he does Army of the Dead, and now he's going to be in Dune. Like, 2021 has been good to uh mr bautista yeah we actually just did we actually just did an army of the dead review on the r ipc podcast and we had a couple of people asking us in the chat what's the difference um basically the usage of the f word that's that's the big difference <laughs> that that's a big and, difference it's a pretty big difference um we, 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 we cuss a lot more on that. It's an R-rated IPC discussion. So we, we have like R-rated language, and we usually cover R-rated type movies and programming. So um, one of our discussions was on A Quiet Place Part 2. It's not an R-rated program, but we got to go like into the deep psychological stuff that um, may have been a little too deep and a little too dark to talk about on IPC. And uh, we just did Army of the Dead on Monday. I believe. And next month, we try and do one episode a month for our patrons. Uh, next month, it's going to be a roundtable discussion of uh, Game of Thrones and looking forward to the Game of Thrones productions that are reportedly in the works. So if you're if you're interested in something like that, then uh, go be a patron on Phantom Empire or go be a patron on the IPC Patreon and uh, you can get access to those links among other really cool exclusives. But we'll get to that in just a second. But that is basically what RAPC is. It's a it's a R-rated discussion that goes 60 to 75 minutes and usually talks about stuff that we wouldn't end up talking about here on the main program. So be sure to go check that out. And then we say that, and the next thing that we've got to talk about is a suggestion that came in from our patron, Jesse, Letting us to talk about Jackass, which is probably <laughs> like Jackass. That's probably like the most cussing we're gonna do on the program is saying the title Jackass. Like we're not, we're not really kind of like and we're discussing an R-rated movie on the show tonight. Just for the record. Well, technically, yeah, I suppose, but it's got blood. It's got f bombs. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I wasn't gonna mention it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this one's kind of a kind of a special. Uh, special case, right. in in my opinion. I mean, there's like this is like soft core R rated. Like, yeah, this, this movie really didn't need to be R rated. It just is, and just because like people attract a certain audience. 
there there's the well yeah i mean people that see a superhero movie that's r-rated they're like oh it's darker than marvel and like yeah technically i suppose so but some people think f-bombs make a movie better i i personally don't subscribe to that theory i don't mind f-bombs they don't offend me but they also don't make a movie better um but what were you saying i'm sorry i cut you off i just feel like this movie in general doesn't necessarily need to conform to traditional movie ratings if that's a if that's a good argument i mean it maybe, wasn't maybe technically not. in a movie theater I don't it think. never was and that's going to be one of the discussions we have tonight is should this have made a theatrical run like that's that's going to be something we talk yeah. about get ready to have your opinions on that but i just don't feel like this conforms to traditional movie archetypes and so doesn't need to conform to those types of ratings yeah but uh jackass it's it's back maybe for the last time. I never saw any of the previous movies or whatever. I, I just know welcome never, to Jackass. I was never interested in it the first time. <laughs> the, the, the meme culture is 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 what makes it such a big deal. You'll find it on Tumblr, Twitter, iFunny, even Facebook, depending on where what groups you're part of. Um, but I'll be honest. I was doing homework and fell behind on said homework and didn't even get a chance to get around to looking at this trailer. So I'm going to have to tap out for this one because I don't know what the hell I'd be I, talking I, about. I don't know. Batman, do you have much to say about this? I I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what, wait, what about Jackass? About Jackass, just in specifically um, the trailer. The I haven't seen the new trailer, but everything I've seen of the trailers or whatever from the older ones just looked really stupid to me and not my cup of tea uh it's it's a a specific like it is like because there's like in the trailer there's like oh they're doing the stunt stuff but then they're doing some pranks and johnny knoxville dressed up like an old man again and he's doing his thing and whatever it's kind of like old school internet stuff it's like you know what you would see on the internet in like 2010 and oh, uh gosh. you know it's uh you know i take it or leave it's 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 obvious it's not necessarily i'm not going to see this but you know people love this people that uh you know that grew up with this stuff i'm sure are very excited um and this is jack jackass forever so what whatever is going on here this could be the end of it and i'm sure they'll bring it back at some point because nothing ever dies <laughs> yeah no one's ever truly gone we learned that right yeah, yeah. Nothing is ever truly gone, no matter how hard we try to get rid of it. Sometimes it always comes back. Um, okay, one last piece of news. This one's actually pretty exciting, and it ties directly into what we're talking about tonight. Yeah, sorry, Jesse. I wish we could have given more details on that, but thanks for sending in something as a discussion topic. Anyway, please don't stop doing that. Hey, I just and uh, if you're a patron, out with this. If you're a patron, don't hesitate. Throw it in the Peacekeeper core and, you know, say, hey, I get, I want you guys to talk about this. I don't care, if, you know, because we try to pick up, you know, more recent stuff, but like even something from a while ago, we'll talk about because we, we rarely really talk about news. We don't talk a whole lot about news. Yeah, no, we don't. And, and we're going to get to this one in just a second, but we did get a super chat that came in. Oh. And we like to talk about our super chats. Uh, this is from Crease Fold, who is a regular follower on all the Phantom Empire streams and uh, came to check in with us this evening. $5 super chat that says, thanks for being pro-vaccine, guys. My sister died in May of 2020, and I have said on other streams, I wish she could have taken it. Shout out to Lee. Um, oh, it, that That is heartbreaking, and we appreciate the support and our condolences, of course, man. Um, 
safety first, always. Like that's that's definitely a, a theme that goes throughout the entire Phantom Empire network. Um, be be safe out there, and the vaccine seems to be the safest way to do that. So I feel I, I feel terrible. Like that's yeah. I you know, I know people who also have have passed away from this. It's just it's just yeah. awful. And you know, yeah, you you we are those of us who have lived through this. If you're living living right now, you you're at a great sure. advantage to to have the chance to get the vaccine. So go get right. it. First yeah, chance you get. I know some people, some 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 parts of the world, you still can't get it. If you live in Australia, I think they're having trouble you know, vaccine rollout, whatever. But if you can get it, go get it. It's uh yeah, the peace of mind is is great. And uh yeah, a lot, a lot of people couldn't get it. And that's it's so tragic. It it sucks. So our our condolences, Creasefold, thanks for for tuning in and uh we are very sorry for your loss. Um, last piece of news, like you said, touching on the the stuff from the DC universe, Michael B. Jordan from Black Panther and many other things. Yeah, <laughs> he was in Space Jam. <laughs> believe yeah. it or not, I heard yeah, that. That was, that was the one thing I was hoping they'd include in the movie, and I was so happy when that. Happened. I loved it. I loved That's it. Brilliant. They came into the locker room. They're all down and dejected, like in the first Space Jam movie, and they're like, "Guys, I found Michael Jordan." And then in walks Michael B. Jordan into the locker yeah. room. And I was like, yes! Oh um, my gosh. That, that's, that's one movie funny. that we don't have on the schedule, but I will just say it is probably the family movie of the summer. If wow. you want to go see something with your family that's just a fun two-hour flick, don't expect it to be an Oscar winner, but do expect it to be a fun time. I I really enjoyed myself watching that that's movie. Great. Yeah, it was really fun. Like... It's pretty much what I expected, like, from a Space Jam movie. Like, yeah, it's going to feel like an advertisement, but it'll still be fun. And this one actually had, like, an emotional core with, like, the father-son thing, which was really yep. refreshing. Yep, yep. That's had true. a good story. And, I mean, LeBron should still stick to basketball. And, like, <laughs> don't quit your day I don't job. think anyone's expecting him to bring in an Oscar-winning performance. Um, you know, he he has his limits. Yeah. Um, but uh, props to him to doing it because I, if I was like, I I don't act, I play basketball. What? I will say though, if this movie does get an Oscar, it will be for visual effects. Mm. Yeah, it was a really good mixed media type of movie like i just love the way all the visuals were it had it had a good blend of live action and animation and the the final 3d and 2d 3d versus 2d but then even the integration of the cgi and then taking like pro basketball players and animating them but still keeping their likeness in the animation combining that with like a video game style basketball court combining that with the 3d characters on the court from the toon squad combining that with all of the WB incorporated animated characters in the background behind it. Like I I was expecting a bit of a CGI, you know, eye gouging fest, if you will. (laughs) Right. And it, it turned out to be a feast for the eyes, which is a feat in and of itself. I feel like, but going back to Michael B. Jordan, he made a cameo in space jam. And now he is working on a black Superman Val Zod series for HBO Max. And people have been talking about having like a black Superman for a while now. And he's working on producing it. And some say he could end up starring in it. Yeah. And 
I personally am in favor of that. I think it's uh, long overdue for number one. And I think just based on his performance and his track record recently, he's got the notoriety. He's got the um, superhero movie acting chops from what he did in Black Panther. Uh, I, I think if he does take the role, he would be really good at it. Yeah, I I really like this idea. And and like the idea of like a black Superman, that sounds exciting. But the thing is, like, that's not technically correct. This is this is Val Zai, which is a not Clark Kent. This is not a version of Clark Kent. This is a completely different character that comes from another Earth where he was Kryptonian and came to Earth and had his own story. And I've heard a lot of people really excited about seeing this character finally on screen. And I think Michael B. Jordan would be great. But also just the idea of like, this could be in the DCE. We could have, you know, a Superman. We could have them interacting. We could have him with another Batman. We could have him with Robert Pattinson. Like, how cool would that be? Hmm. Yeah, like like with the multiverse, pretty much anything is possible. So yeah. it could be really good. I mean, we've got Michael Keaton and, and the Flash hanging out together. So anything's possible. <laughs> Wait, which Flash are we talking about? Ezra Miller? We're talking about Ezra Miller Flash. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew about that, but I also just saw that the CW executive said that they were going to try and extend the Flash for like three more seasons. And I'm like, how much more of Grant Gustin's acting teats can you milk? Like, I honestly, because I, I think I've talked about it before, how like I listened to him on like uh, Michael Rosenbaum's podcast and like he was great, but like, he sounds exasperated even that this is like a year or two ago. Like he sounds, he sounds like I'm, I can't believe they're, they're still keeping him going. Like, I feel like he would just have quit by now and, and gone to do whatever. Cause he sounds like he's tired of it. Um, I got tired of it. <laughs> That's why I no yeah. longer watch the show. Yeah. Um, but if you like it, go, I, I'm glad that people are still watching it. And Hey, if you're, if you're enjoying it, you know, you got three more seasons, but I don't know. Where yeah. I mean, that. It's it's a comfort show for me at this point. I, I love seeing the characters hang out and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that that's that's totally fair. That's totally I fair. Just, I just I feel bad about them basically going in circles, like not only like time circles but storyline circles. It's like how long before you basically circle back to a trope that you had in the first season, like. How many times are you going to set the reset button? How many times are you going to keep talking about time travel? How many times are you going to keep doing this and that? Like, eventually, it just feels like it gets too old. And I'm like, ah. So, yeah, I'm not watching anything of the CW right now. I've had plenty of people tell me to try out Superman and Lois, but... It's really uh, good. You, you I, don't need to watch anything else to get Yeah, yeah, it. you totally need to watch it. You should watch Superman and Lois. Have you heard about Superman and Lois? You should watch it's, it. It's my favorite live-action Superman show. Talk to the hand, y'all. <laughs> Ser- seriously, hand. though. Seriously, though. PSA, if you're not watching Superman and Lois, you need to be watching it, like, right now. It's, it's great. Other PSA, if you want to get a really good idea of R.I.P.C., go check out... The Harley Quinn show on HBO Max. I love that show. It's hilarious. Heard a lot of great things. I am watching it right now with my girlfriend. She's on vacation for a week, so I'm going to have to watch some other show right now. But, <laughs> like, we get our chuckles on with that show. It is hilarious. And the part that I find crazy is, like, my my parents, when I go over to their house, they're currently watching Big Bang Theory. Oh. So I'll watch Big Bang Theory. 
And then, like, the next day, I'll be watching Harley Quinn, and Kaylee Cuoco's in both shows. And I'm like, what? Yeah, that's crazy. It's so different. Like, her characters are, are so... She's big. She just got, a, I think, an Emmy nomination for her role in the 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 Pope's the, the airplane thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's some live action HBO Max show that I never. Yeah, I didn't even know it was any good, but apparently it is good because the 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 Emmy Academy likes it. Um, and she got uh, a nomination for it. So. I I don't I don't trust the Emmys, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, like yeah. I don't pay attention to award shows, so I so, yeah. I, I stopped I stopped paying attention to music award shows after Prince died, and then I've kind of stopped paying attention to award shows after. Uh, basically two or three years ago. So, like, it's great. I'm happy that she got nominated, and it gives me an idea of stuff to maybe, you know, watch out for, but I just think my niche interest in stuff is different than than the Emmys and the Academies, and so I just, I don't have as much stock in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Jesse asked, what are our thoughts on the chances of the Omniverse coming to live action? Is that this, the Ben the... Ten thing? The Omniverse. Hold on, I'm gonna is make sure the... I'm not I'm not quoting the wrong thing. I want to make sure. Uh, Slide attendant for the record. Thank you, Toronto Freddy. Marvel is an Omniverse. No, there is no Marvel. Omniverse. I know Omni Man from the collection Invincible. Yeah, it's a it's a collection of every single universe, multiverse, megaverse, dimension, and realm. So everything, <laughs> everything, you could cross over everything, and anything you could have, you could have alligator Loki hanging out with, you know, Tom Hiddleston's Thor because everything is fair game. Well, I mean, we just got the other day, we got uh Korg hanging out with Deadpool. Dude. Um, Loved that so much. So uh, I think it's, I, I, I mean, multiverse confirmed Deadpool. You know, Deadpool is just like the one character. I think they should just put Deadpool in DC movies too, um, <laughs> and just make it. Just throw it all out there. He just, just shows up like, it. "What the bleep is going on?" Just make it everything. By the way, we are planning on doing a Loki discussion. So if you haven't finished watching Loki, be sure to go do that. I think that'll yeah. be our discussion two weeks from now. Um, we may be doing it on a different platform though. So keep your eyes open for where we'll be doing that show from. Uh, may look a little different than what we're doing tonight, but. Uh, yeah, two weeks from now, probably going to be talking about Loki, and Alligator Loki is going to be one of the big discussion points. I can tell you that right now. Ho 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 ho! Cannot wait! Cannot uh, wait! Man. Okay, so we we've got some uh, we've got some uh, comments in the chat. I think, yeah, uh, and and people are like, "Where's the Justice League discussion?" So I think probably it's a good time to just go ahead and jump into it. Um, if we've got nothing else, I think we ran out of news. We did. Um, uh, before we do that real quick, though, I want to give our, our shout out to our, our patrons, particularly oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett. Uh, they are at the shout out friend tier or above on patreon.com slash IPC podcast. We do have other patrons, but they just prefer to be a little more low key and get some of the behind the scenes exclusives. Low key. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. They're all low key variants. Oh, well. by the way. <laughs> but no matter what tier you choose. You get access to our show notes before we go live. 
You get access to an exclusive group where we talk about the schedule upcoming for the episodes, some behind the scenes stuff about, you know, what's going on in our lives outside of the show. Uh, we'll ask for your input for top five discussions. You get top billing on those top five discussions. And depending on how high up you go, there's opportunities to possibly join us on this show or on the R-rated extension show that we've got. Jesse's actually been on the RIPC podcast with me for the last two episodes, talking about Army of the Dead, and then again uh, with um, Quiet Place Part 2 when when the show kind of made its relaunch. So um, if you've got the schedule availability, we're going to try and get you on. At the very least, get you the top billing on these news programs and uh, the top five programs that we do. So hit us up at patreon.com slash IPC podcast if you're interested in some of those exclusive benefits. Even if you sign up at just the $3 tier, you'll get access to the RIPC episode. Any level patron gets the access to the extension show. So that's a really cool benefit. You just you know hit us up for one latte a month, and you get all kinds of really awesome benefits. But dig around your couch, you can find that money. Seriously, though, like my couch probably has that right now. Um, but one of the levels that we've got, it's the highest level that we've got for only 12 bucks a month. That's the highest up we go. We don't go super high on this show. It goes like three, five, seven, and 12. I think that's how they go. Let me, let me, let me confirm that. Uh, da, 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 home, go to the profile. <laughs> I've got the link open. Here we go. There's different types. Here we go. No, I haven't posted anything. I know that. Edit your page. View your public page. Jesus, why does Patreon have to be that complicated? There's the PC before at $3. Top 5 fan at $5. Shout out friend at $7. RIPC sponsor at $10. And then advertising on IPC is $12. So if you want your name included in what we do on RIPC, you can do that or be on the show for up to 10 bucks a month. But just today, like hours before the program started, we actually got our first $12 patron. Mm-hmm. Jesse had been doing stuff with the RIPC level and then bumped it up another two bucks a month in order to actually get an advertisement on the show. So we don't have a script for it yet, but here's the really cool thing. In our seven plus years of existence, I know like for a fact that we have inspired at least five other podcasts to start up yeah. at least. And now we can add a sixth. Jesse's appearances on RIPC have inspired he and his roommate to start their own program. It's going to be on Anchor, and they're going to try and release two or three episodes a month based on their availability. And <clears throat> it's basically, from from what I am given to understand, it's basically going to be exploring some of the what-if questions from different universes. It's almost like a, a question podcast version of Marvel's What If. And it's called Question Possible Answer. So the trailer is available on Anchor right now and i bet jesse has the link if he wants to toss it in the live chat please feel free to do that jesse i know you're watching and if you are interested in finding out about the launch date and all that kind of thing then go find us in the ipc hangout group that is a public group that you can join and we'll give updates there 
And you can follow them on Instagram at question underscore possible underscore answer. So question possible answer is on its way in the not too distant future. And it was a show that the launch was inspired by what we do here on the program. So it's very humbling and very awesome. Uh, We wish Jesse all the best on that launch. So um, yeah, congratulations, man. And uh, in two weeks, y'all can be on the lookout for an official advertisement because he's paying for it now. Awesome. So that's, that's our thing. Okay. We've got people in the chat saying Zack Snyder's justice league is a masterpiece says Toronto Freddy. Um, Rob Scheiman in the chat says, whoop, whoop. I guess that's as a, uh, announcement. Uh, that's a whoop, whoop, uh, about the announcement and, uh, chosen Nightwolf's in the chat. What's up, George? How you doing? Glad to have you here. And then Chad being, being a turd saying, this is a great discussion of ZSJL. <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes later, we're finally talking about the show, but let's pick up where Toronto Freddy left off talking about it being a masterpiece. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty strong adjective. Batman seems to be in agreement. Ben, how do you feel about that statement? I think that's a word I would use. In fact, I might have used that word last week. I genuinely, when I do podcasts, I completely forget about everything that I said on said podcast. So, I, you know, don't anybody quote me. Um, short-term memory. It's, it's, it's like Dory syndrome. Just right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just short term memory. Forget about uh, what, it. what is this? Is this Star Wars Underworld? What podcast am I on? <laughs> um, you know, it, it gets confusing sometimes, but I would genuinely like, I use like, I used to think like Masterpiece was like perfect, it's a perfect movie. Like, I think the general, the pronunciation, not pronunciation, the definition of masterpiece is not perfection it's just like this it's a work of art it's a it's a beautiful work of art and i would consider zack snyder's justice league of that caliber i think it really is yes i have issues with it yes there are some things that i'm like and there's something that maybe we'll get to later on that i'm like wow that does not work this is this is not i was not expecting that and the second time going around i'm like wow this is weird but uh I genuinely think this is a masterpiece. I would call it a masterpiece. It's just so well done. It, this movie gives me, and I won't rehash it because I went through it last week, but like it gives me what I want for movies. It has good themes. It has good you know, emotion. It sets stuff up and it pays stuff off. Some movies that are half as long don't do as well as this movie is in construction and how it balances everything and paces everything. And I think, you know, it's just, I think it's brilliant in that way. Uh, Batman, what are your thoughts on the Snyder Cut? You were in it, so I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in it and I'm getting paid for it. Um, I wish. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I've told this story before about how like I liked Man of Steel, but had issues with like the Jonathan Kent stuff and the fights going on too long. I don't like either version of Batman versus Superman. Like nothing has redeemed that for me. Um, But so I, I remember thinking the theatrical justice league was kind of a step in the right direction, but still felt like it was focusing too much on trying to undo Batman versus Superman. And then watching the Snyder cut, like, like I was not 
I had no expectations for it just because like Batman versus Superman left a bad taste in my mouth, but I went into it and I was surprised at how much I genuinely loved it. It was full of hope. It has really great themes like the like stuff about fathers and like seeing the league stand. I mean, we're going to go all over the place, but seeing the league stand together toward the end, it was like, yes, this is the justice league. This is how it should have been done. Like, it's not just that it was better than the theatrical cut. It's genuinely like a really incredible movie. Like it's not perfect, but I, I would consider it like in the masterpiece realm and i'm surprised to say that like uh, out of so i've i have this list of like movies that have come out this year that i've seen it's got like 29 titles on it and it's funny how like my least favorite that i've seen so far is army of the dead like i really did not like it but (laughs) at the top of the ranking is Zack snyder's justice league so he kind of like bookends that list both ends really funny (laughs) Well, we're gonna we're gonna be in disagreement on that one, but I guess you won't want to become an RIPC patron and, and hear what we have to say about <laughs> about that movie. Um, like, uh, I've I've not paid IPC a cent and still somehow ended up on the show several times. Not true. You're, you bought our merch. You're wearing. No, you're... I w- I won this in the raffle. Remember? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to sneak that in. We have swag too, in case you hadn't noticed. He, he's got all those billions, all really those billions. Won't give him any of them to us. All right, what a what a cheapskate. Uh, going back to the word masterpiece, I I do use that word sparingly too, but in this case. I would dare say that this may be like a top five superhero movie I've ever seen. Mm. Like yeah. I, I personally find like Dark Knight, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Avengers Endgame to be like the top three. But I think, uh, I think this could clock in at number four probably for me. Like wow. it is up there with Joker. Joker is technically a a a, a comics superhero movie. Um. And this this is up there in that type of regime for me. It's probably like I know we're not into planet scores yet, but it's like a nine out of ten. Like that that's the best way I can describe it. There are a few nitpicks, there are a few things that I would probably change around or even extend to a certain degree. There are certain scenes that I wish I had a little bit more of, and then some scenes that I wish I had a little bit less of. Um, but when you take a look at what Joss Whedon put out in the theaters. And then you take a look at the finished product that Snyder was able to put together. Like it's night and day. It, they're completely different films. The execution, the tonality, the stakes, the character development. There's just so much about it that is so completely different. And it's better than what Whedon put out. I, I, I am for the most part a fan of what Whedon produces. I'm not necessarily a fan of who he is off the screen. Some of the scandals that have come out about who he is as a person, especially when they were making justice league kind of an asshole, but for the most part, I've enjoyed the stuff that he's, that he's made. But when you look at what Snyder was able to put out as a final product, it's just, there's no comparison. Joss, Joss Whedon stuff was was rushed and it, it, it they cut corners and there was just a lot of 
of skirted character development that was kind of curved. And maybe that's attributed to some of the behind the scenes stuff that we know about now. But like, I just, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the Snyder cut and seeing it again to get ready for this show made me realize that, yeah, it's a pretty big time commitment, but it's one that I feel is worth it because of the story it tells. And there's very few movies out there that are like that for me. Like, if there's a movie that's over two hours, I've got to look at that and go, hmm, two hours watching a movie or two hours working on an essay that's due tomorrow? Like, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm trying to graduate in December, okay? Sue me. But those are the types of adult type of decisions that I've got to make. And this is one that was practically a no-brainer for me. I I watched the whole thing from beginning to end, even though I'm only discussing parts four, five, and six. I wanted to get the whole thing in, and I did because I just enjoyed the movie that much. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Go ahead, Batman. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've seen it four times now, I think, and like uh, even in black and white, and it's like those first three times I was able to sit through it beginning to end with ease. Uh, the black and white version still looks beautiful. The only thing I would change is like when the Green Lantern ring flies up, I wouldn't have minded if, if that was the only thing in color, like if it was in green in the black and white, but it still looks really good. And, cool. and um, yeah, like it was only on this fourth viewing that I sort of divided it between last night and this morning. Like last night I stopped after part four because I heard that like, apparently there's, like, a very limited IMAX screenings of this, and I guess there's an intermission after part four, and it makes sense there. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, like, I still think it's a great movie, even uh, after these months after its initial release. I, I think it's well-constructed, and, like, when they, like, they, I think they were originally saying that, oh, it's going to be a series. And then they just went in and said, no, no, it's going to be a foreign movie. And I was like, oh, foreign movie. Like I was, and again, like I was talking about last week, like I was not at all happy. I was like, I don't care about this movie. This is dumb. It's going to be square. It's going to be far as long. Why? Why is this happening? Zack Snyder, you're, you're crazy. Um, but I think it's really, it's a testament to like, I have not like sat down and watched this thing like, in one sitting like i've always like broken it up and i think that's a testament to, like they gave us chapters like it's it's, mm -hmm. it's designed for streaming it's designed for and even in a theater like you you have you know these chapters and i'm sure uh you know a intermission would come in really handy um you know four hours long and i would whatever love to see this in a movie glory theater. days of intermissions <laughs> whatever happened to those there are like musicals and war movies out there Gods and Generals. Anybody seen Gods and Generals? No, pretty, sure, I don't think I have. pretty sure that one's got an intermission because it's like yeah. a four and a half hour movie or something like that. And most of it's like war sequences. And uh, like musicals, like The Sound of Music, My Fair Lady, uh, Oklahoma. Gone with the Wind has Gone with the yeah. Wind. There's a ton of classics out there that have intermissions. And I feel like it would be great for the movie industry. Get up, stretch your legs, go pee, buy some more popcorn. Like, that would keep the movies thriving, in my opinion. But breaking it up into chapters for the streaming, uh, in agreement with what you're saying, like, you could 
create your own intermission, basically. We essentially created an intermission on this podcast and be like, yeah, one through three, two weeks ago, four through six exactly. now. Like, we have that flexibility to where we don't have to spend three, four, five hours on a podcast talking about a three, four-hour movie. We can break them up because they are very neatly broken up in sequence like that. Yeah, it, it works so well. And like and like I was talking about last week, I have I have a really bad attention span, but like this movie is paced so so well, I think. And I kept hearing like, oh, the the beginning's you know slow and whatever like that. I think it was really well done. I think it all builds up and builds a thing. And you know, yes, it, you're we're at about halfway point here when we chat starting with chapter four, and it really starts to build into that final act. And you know, you have the you know, starting with this first scene in chapter four, um, you have basically the assembly, um, the Justice League assemble, um, <laughs> you know, them assembling on the rooftop and just like commissioner going like, what, what is going on? How many of you are, are you? And then all of them except the flash disappear. And he's like, Oh, they, they just take off like that. That that's rude. Wow. They literally just vanish. Don't they? <laughs> Yeah, the humor works so much better in this version than in the Whedon version. Like, like you got the scene where Flash is like, I need friends. And in the Whedon version, it goes on for just far too long. And it's like, you extended that, but you cut down stuff like Barry talking to his dad. Like, it just didn't make sense. And like, like yeah. I'm, I'm glad this doesn't have some of the cringeworthy Flash moments that really injected like, some stuff that really made me enjoy this version of the character made him more heroic and not just a joke. I not mean, the, his heroics at the end sequence. I was just about to say, they Literally. took they took that oh. incredible sequence from the end of the movie where the Flash literally runs back time and saves the world all by himself. They took that out of the movie and replaced it with him pushing a truck. That's what they replaced it with. Yeah, and saying Dostoevsky just so cringe. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, while we're on it, like that scene um, with the song "At the Speed of Force," it's such a beautiful song. Like this whole soundtrack for this movie is amazing. Uh, Like props to Junkie XL, but like that scene is probably my most watched superhero movie scene like i wa- i rewatched it so many times for inspiration Same. like even um like without going into details like there was this uh this event recently where i was like should i try to be part of it or not and like i watched the scene for inspiration and um instead of choosing fear of missing out or certainty of missing out i chose like d- rejection of missing out and just became part of the thing and it's just such an inspirational scene it's a great motivator and it's like you know the flash like he basically like when everyone is dying he just raises a hand defies the laws of physics as if to say no you don't get to do this i get to make my own like present he's like make your own future make Make your own own future yeah and it's all right now. And that's like a double meaning. Like it's the present, but it's everything is right now. He sets things right. It's like, how could you leave that out of the movie? Because I don't, I don't think, I don't think Whedon's film is meant to be about 
the development of individual characters so much as it is about, hey, there's this person and this person and this person. Like, even the motto for the Whedon Cut is like, you can't save the world alone or something like that. And yeah. it takes different logos of all the different characters like it's meant to be an assembly type movie but i think he did it too much like the 2012 avengers film if you if you if you notice in the 2012 avengers film each character has just a few minutes with fury and then suddenly they're just kind of thrust together i feel like that's kind of what whedon did with justice league is each of them, even though they didn't have their own movie like Captain America and Iron Man did, even though they didn't have their own films, he still gave them just a few minutes and then kind of thrust them together. Whereas in this four-hour cut, you're, you have the freedom to be able to do more and, and, and explore more. We got to see more of The Flash. We got to see more of Cyborg. We got to see a little bit more of even Lois Lane. And, and her relationship with Superman, like, there's just so much more extrapolation available in this film. And as somebody that appreciates the writing of a movie, I I, I always say, and I, I know I've said this before on this program, I get insulted when I am, like, finishing the sentences of the characters in a movie, because if... I'm coming up with the stuff that they say. Why are there people getting paid to write this stuff? And I'm not. Some of the things that they were saying and doing and the conversations that were being had, those are things that I felt were a little bit beyond my scope as a writer. Or, or just it would have taken me a long time to come up with stuff that good. And so to watch that type of thing unfold in front of me was very entertaining. And, and Stephen, I'm sure you can attest to this as a writer. Like the, the depth that they went to in the character development was just it – was, it was nuanced, but it, it felt special because each person pretty much had a very special moment that made you like feel some sort of attachment to them. Am I right? Yeah, well, like I know um, Ben and Chad talked about this already, but the cyborg backstory, it's like, I really got to wonder, like, were they considering repurposing that for the cyborg movie that was originally scheduled? Or did they just make the mistake? Like, cutting that out was a huge mistake. It's such a great backstory. Like, I don't care if it makes a runtime longer. It's essential to the character. Like, I've said this before. Cyborg is my favorite of the Teen Titans. Like after reading the Marv Wolfman oh, run, yeah, and and like seeing, like I'm so happy that Ray Fisher gets to join the ranks of these different iterations of Cyborg. Like you see in like in Young Justice, the animated show, like in season three when like he's dying, you see that his father will do everything he can. He'll move heaven and earth to revive his own son. And like, like in Doom Patrol, like it's like Cyborg is further into his career. He's more accepting of who he is at that point. Although he was less cybernetic, but he makes like a good point of, of like, like comparing him against the other Doom Patrol members who see themselves as more monstrous. That kind of look up to him because he's been a superhero and stuff. And um, like seeing the Ray Fisher iteration and how he 
like once again we get another version of like the father son thing how that plays out and you know, it's so empowering seeing him embrace who he is by the end like being uncloaked embracing who he is and you know that moment where he's like he opens a mother box and he's like i'm not broken and i'm not alone and it's just it's such a great moment one of the best moments yeah. in superhero movie history this yep. movie this is victor's movie yeah this he's a movie this oh, is yeah. an, this is a, this is a straight up like it's an origin story he's the heart and soul of this movie i think as as zach snyder has pointed out and you know he's <laughs> the original version he's nothing like he's just there and gone and there's just nothing and like you just get a full scope of his powers you understand where he's coming from how horrific his whole origin is his his very broken relationship with his family and you know having that thing and, and losing his father but then you know you know in these chapters you know his father his last ditch effort to kind of mark that box and make this final thing and, and kind of sets him on this path and it's it's just great stuff it's such great storytelling on top of everything else like this movie's telling like a so many different stories i think comparing it to the original avengers the original avengers is a movie that's so well constructed in my opinion that it does so many different things and it does them well it's telling different stories it's giving you a scene with thor and loki a scene with iron man and all these kind of stuff and it's all setting it up but it's propping up what's there this movie is taking you know you know barry and you know showing him with his father and that tenuous relationship and then brings it all back at the end when he's thinking and he's like you know yeah dad I, I you know i'm the best of the best and like it's it tugs at your heartstrings and it makes you feel something for these characters it's not just like oh dumb action whatever it's something that is really just at the core of the movie it's so powerful okay I, I do want to get into the action stuff, though. I do want to get into some of these action sequences. Because, again, I, we're going to be making this comparison all night, apparently. But <laughs> the, the the action sequences in Joss Whedon's versus Zack Snyder's, again, night and day. Like, even even the stuff on Stryker Island in Part 4... There are there are certain lines, there's certain deliveries, and then there's just certain I don't know if it's shading and lighting. I'm not a I'm not an editor, I'm not a technical director, but there's just a different vibe that comes from that scene. Even though it is included in the the Whedon version, there was just something about this fight on on Stryker Island that I enjoyed a bit more somehow. I don't know if it was, you know, the way that Aquaman kind of flowed in to help save the day. I don't know if it was Wonder Woman's fight uh, with Steppenwolf. I don't, I, I really don't know exactly what it was, but I feel like the group had better chemistry. I feel like the, the, the plan kind of worked out the way that it was meant to. Like they got everybody out to safety. Like that was right. the point. It was an extraction mission and they succeeded. I really, really enjoyed that battle in the tunnels and the introduction of Aquaman to the group. Like, that scene, as far as action stuff goes, that, to me, is... This is this is going to sound weird, but as far as enjoyment level goes, I think I enjoy that as much as I enjoyed the Battle of Wakanda in Infinity War. Wow. 
high that's praise. A, that's a it, hot take. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I'm I'm with I'm with a lot of hot takes tonight, but maybe it's <laughs> because of how much I enjoyed this film. But that fight scene is is up there as like top five, top ten fight sequences that are in these types of films. It's just it's it's really it's really well laid out. It, you know, it's not just like, oh, they just meet and it's in a room. It's like this whole thing and they're battling in this tube thing and going up and down and the, the collar goes up and it falls down and it climbs up again and like there's using so many elements and it's great. And like it, it's funny th- that scene compared to the original version of the scene like the broad strokes of it are still there but like there's so many tweaks that they did and editing choices that they made that it feels completely different in a way and like you know there's no like flash landing on uh, wonder woman's boobs none of that and you know and <laughs> what the hell were you doing there joss whedon my I god don't know. thankfully that's gone and there's some other right. things and it's like it's also like it's the justice league saving people yes they're trying to get stuff but they're saving people they're being superheroes they're saving lives that's what it's all about folks it's not not about you know thing and like kind of rehabilitating because they had the whole like like man of steel it's like oh they wiped out the entire town killed like thousands of people oops and then in batman v superman they're like oh we're gonna go fight over here in this uninhabited island we're not gonna hurt anybody yeah and uh now now they're now they're not killing anybody they're saving people character development folks well and i think again going back to the writing like by putting the the parademon base on a place like striker island you're isolating yourself from the potential to do any significant damage to the populace by taking them out of Gotham, out of Metropolis, but still leaving big implications. Because if they did something to that area, then Gotham Harbor could end up affecting one of the towns in some way. So there's still big stakes, and people's lives are still at risk, but you're able to contain it a little bit better and make the action sequences more enjoyable. You can kind of take yourself out of that suspension of disbelief and watching those buildings fall and crash to the ground and whatever don't have any of that, but still have just as much action and enjoyment. Yeah, exactly. And okay. So me and Chad talked about this last week. I want to get y'all's opinions on this. Um, Steppenwolf. So as a character, so, so different from the original version. As a, as, a, as, a, as a character and his design is different. Yeah. Like completely. He just physically looked better like he's armor is like badass like it's stronger he's more intimidating and yet at the same time he's got like this soft side where he wants to impress his master and like come back races like yeah i've I've watched the memes grow up like i i i what is it i stand steppenwolf you stand yeah that's the official terminology I stan it. Yeah. See, I'm so not Gen Z. I, I step stan and wolf. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Mm. Yeah. I, I definitely preferred this version of Steppenwolf. Like he's, he's just more intimidating. He, he has bigger stakes. He, he actually communicates with dark side and yeah, like has the potential to, you know, do something that, that actually, wins back his master's favor with the discovery of anti-life and so like there's there's more to it than just the the mindless destruction of earth like there's actual stakes on both sides 
Yeah. 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 I think the armor in the theatrical version might be more comic book accurate, but I do prefer the look of this one. Like he looks more monstrous and like he just, he's not forgettable as a villain anymore. There's more to him. And it's like, and I love how in this version, it's not just that they need Superman to beat him, it's that everyone like works together and has their moment fighting him it feels like in an encounter in if you're playing dungeons and dragons like everyone gets their turn and like everyone gets to like basically beat up the big bad guy like to the end yeah they're not necessarily getting their 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 butts kicked by him but they're pretty evenly matched and even wonder woman is like struggling to stand up against him like you right get the idea and like the fact that he goes in the first part of the movie and he just wrecks house on the mascara like you know this guy means business and then you know his whole his, his whole armor and the fact that they can kind of like shield away when he's in the presence and like makes him more vulnerable like you know physically and literally like it's his whole thing and his voice everything everything is better about that character like he's genuinely like a fascinating interesting comic book movie villain where he was just nothing in the original movie. He he was just a character that I'd never heard of and had no reason to be intimidated by him, had no reason to, you know, see like I I really didn't have much motivation to see this movie because I didn't recognize the opponent. I was like, we're assembling the DC Earth's finest people yeah. for 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 the purpose of fighting somebody whose hit song is Magic Carpet Ride. <laughs> somebody had to make that joke i hey i had to i i had to like we went to we went to disney and we rode the guardians of the galaxy ride and uh it's it's the tower of terror but it's themed after guardians of the galaxy right and and uh when when they when they queue up the elevator for you to be going up and down oh that was a weird motion sorry youtube don't block me um <laughs> when you're when you're when you're going up and down um it's playing born to be wild. And so yeah, yeah. like the whole time I'm watching the, the Joss Whedon version, I'm sitting here going, man, I bet he was born to be wild. <laughs> I wasn't intimidated by him. I was making jokes about him and stuff. And sure. Plenty of memes have been made about this version of Steppenwolf, but I just, I, I found more reason to, latch onto his character and enjoy him this time around. And I, I, and I, and I respect that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It was a step in the right direction. (laughs) Okay. So there's another thing we need to talk about here. And and this is something that you coined Batman. Um, (laughs) This is Martha Manhunter. (laughs) We got to talk about Martha Manhunter. That scene. Who saw that coming? <laughs> yeah, it was such a surprise seeing that it was actually Martian Manhunter instead of Martha Kent talking to Lois. And I have mixed feelings about that scene because when you think that it's just Martha and Lois talking, it's like, oh, this is such a genuine conversation. They have this connection. They both knew the real Clark. And then like after that, like, heartwarming moment like martha steps out into the hallway and it turns out to be martian manhunter and it's like wait what and like as cool as it is to see him it's like that kind of lessens the scene a bit like i guess you could sort of 
head canon that like since Martian Manhunter has telepathy, he might have read Martha's mind and know how she feels. Um, there there might be some ramifications of, to doing that, but like maybe that'd be like he's conveying what Martha is feeling and like sharing it with Lois, even if Martha herself isn't having the conversation with Lois. But like, I don't know, like I feel like maybe there's a different way it could have been done where like Martha and Lois have the conversation and then you reveal Martian Manhunter some other way. Like maybe even like just saving him for the very end would have been fine. You know, like I, I like the whole, like, Oh yeah. The general you've been seeing since man of steel is, is Martian Manhunter. Like that's a cool reveal. And I feel like it could be a little bit better. Like, I feel like the whole, like trying to stick him in this movie doesn't work incredibly well. I yeah, think like I love I love the character. I just it just could have been done differently. What's like he shows up at the end, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around and help you. He's like, Where were you during the other thing? Like we could have <laughs> used you in Russia. Were you just sitting on your hands, just doing nothing? Like, come on, man. But like the whole Martha scene, it's like you watch that scene, it's like really powerful stuff, like you're saying, between Martha and, and, and Lois. And it's like, oh, it's not Martha? So what's going on here? How does he know that? Like, he could have read her mind, but then, like, it kind of ruins the scene when you know, like, it's him the whole time. And I think they could have done a little bit... I don't know. I understand, like, yes, it's Martian Manhunter. We've never seen him in a movie. like that. That's cool, but it could have handled a bit better. I think it was, like, a little bit like, oh, we gotta get him in here because, <laughs> obviously, Zack Snyder's out after this. Ruins? I, I'm I'm just I'm just curious about that choice of word ruins. ruins. Like, how 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 does the scene get ruined by the reveal that it's Martian Manhunter? Do uh, did I say ruined? I guess I said ruined. I'll stick with that. Um, because it's not Martha Kent. Because it's not it's 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 Martha, basically like spilling all the beans. Like oh yeah, I lost the farm. I didn't tell anybody. All this kind of stuff. And then it's like oh, it's just some dude impersonating her. Like it's 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 a bit weird it's a bit weird maybe not ruined but it it's a bit weird well, and, like it, it kind of it kind of undermines the like implied genuineness of that opening up moment and it's like it's not really martha opening up herself it's more martian manhunter like saying what maybe martha thinks or what's going on with her and it's just kind of off so my my third viewing kind of looked at it a different way and maybe maybe i'm off I, i'm probably am most of my takes tonight have probably been off base all, all opinions are valid i'm i'm curious to hear what you have to say i i tended to relate this scene with the apocalyptic scene in the epilogue something that bruce has been having visions of and and stuff that has been you know, part of the underlying storyline that we're never going to get to see, unfortunately, is this notion that Lois Lane is a is a key cog in how this story plays out. Right. And if she continues to sit on the sidelines, then she is not present during Clark's awakening. Martian Manhunter goes to her and talks to her in a voice that she will listen to to convince her to put herself back out there. 
I don't think it's a coincidence that after that conversation, Lois decides that she's going to go get coffee for those cops, and she just happens to be there when the mother box awakens Clark. It's a sequence of events that if they don't play out that way, if Martian Manhunter doesn't intervene and doesn't have that conversation with her that needs to be had, then his staying out of the situation, like, yeah, he probably could have helped out in Russia, but if he doesn't show up in that scene and get Lois back involved in the storyline, then I subscribe to the notion that her sitting on the sidelines is a big part of what contributes to Bruce's dream of the apocalyptic world in another universe. And from that point of view, if it hadn't been for Martian Manhunter going to her, you know, what would have happened? You know, exactly. uh, Clark may not have gotten his mind back fully. He may have killed everyone in the Justice League in movie over. And he would have been in the mindset that we see in the epilogue. Her absence from being a part of the story actually becomes part of the story. And this is part of the reason why I wish we got like a second part of the of the Justice League. Like Zack Snyder obviously has another story that he wants to tell from mm-hmm. that dream sequence that, that Batman had with the Joker, which is a great scene, by the way. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But like he like the, the idea that Lois Lane is the key if that key is not part of the events unfolding, then the events unfold a different way. Ergo, the different way that Snyder would have taken it would have been the apocalyptic world we see in the epilogue. Yeah, like, you know, that's what Flash came to him from the future and came to him in a dream and said, Lois is the key. You know, she's the key to, you know, unlocking his his a suppressed consciousness when he reawakens and she's also the key to him destroying the world mm-hmm. if she does not survive um which you know and so she's you know she's uh she's very important she's a very important character and 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 freddie makes a good point in the chat he said why did it have to be martian manhunter though it still could have very well been martha that is a good point Martha trying to get Lois involved in what's going on, it it very well could have been Martha and could very well have convinced Lois to get back out into the field. I I don't really have a good explanation for that. I don't. And I'm not going to try and and BS my way out of it. It it could have been Martha, but they they made a creative decision to include the Manhunter uh, in this particular point so that he could show up again at the end of the movie, um, which... According to what I've read, it actually was supposed to be John Stewart. They had actually casted like Zack Snyder had cast somebody as John Stewart. Shot some stuff in his in his yard in his in his garage or something. House. Yeah, and, and we do mean Green Lantern John Stewart, not the comedian. Yeah, no. show host. <laughs> no. No. no, not him. No, but like. I think it was just for a connectivity thing more than anything is like um, it's for, it's for the purpose of, of continuity. You see the Manhunter, you know, playing a role, uh, playing his role, their role, whatever you want to call them. Uh, The Manhunter playing the part that needs to be played in order to get Lois back involved in the story. 
And then he shows up at the end, right after, I don't believe it's a coincidence that he shows up right after Bruce's dream sequence happens. Like, we know that he's a telepath. I would like to subscribe to the theory that he projected that dream into Bruce to let him know what the world could have looked like if things hadn't played out the way that they did. Well, from what I understand of what Zack's plans were, uh, Zack Snyder, not Zack Arnold, um, part two was supposed to be the apocalyptic future with Lois dying and Superman uh, grieving the loss and becoming, like, basically that future would have still happened. And then part three would have been the Flash going back and trying to, like, undo everything, like, restore peace to the timeline, I guess. And then there would have been a sacrifice. Um, uh, I I don't know if I'm allowed to say, like, what would have happened because, I mean, we're probably not going to get this movie, so I don't know if... I if we're not, that. if we're not, if we're not going to get it, then you know who cares if we say it? It's never going to happen. Uh, okay, so Batman would have sacrificed himself so Lois could live, and then, oh, uh, that's right. like everything would have been like back to normal, I guess. And twenty years later, uh, Lois and Clark's son Bruce Kent would have been like a normal kid, but become the new Batman. Um, I, it sounds weird, like saying it, like as an outline but maybe it could have been executed in a good way we won't know but like this is a movie that i enjoyed so much i'm like you know what i would like to see those follow-ups even if there's a chance that i don't enjoy them very much like i it convinced me that i would have liked to see this vision follow through to the end Mm -hmm. yeah that i think that's the biggest thing that's my biggest takeaway from this film is this is the the best iteration of Snyder's vision come to life. Yeah. Like I I don't I don't feel like I feel like Man of Steel was more of a prologue. I feel like uh Batman v Superman was kind of like the first few chapters, but this is like the meaty portion of the story that he's been meaning to tell. And he finally got the time to be able to actually tell it. And then Warner Brothers is like, oh, no, we're going somewhere else with this. Like, <laughs> just when we're getting to, like, chapter 20 out of 27 or, you know, whatever, like, we're not going to get that final piece. And I really feel like that's why the epilogue exists, to be honest, is, like, I don't think if if the movie had been made and gotten to a theatrical run, we wouldn't have gotten that epilogue. Oh, like, like the future stuff was part of Zack's own reshoots, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I completely, I completely believe that. Like, we would not have gotten pretty much anything from that epilogue. Like, it would have, it would have finished when parts part six closes up, and that or that would have maybe, maybe with Cyborg's dad speech, and then the Lex Luthor thing would have been the credit scene. Yeah, the, I think it was. Wasn't the Lex Luthor thing the the credit? Yeah, scene? like yeah. a short, yeah, a shortened version of it was the post credit scene, but without the Bruce Wayne as Batman reveal, it was just like. Let's form a league of our own, and it right. just at that. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that. Um, we're running a little short on time. Let's let's kind of breeze through part five if we can. A lot of it's just kind of development and and getting up to the big stuff that's happening in part six. But they're they're using the mother box to bring back Superman, and they talk about the technical aspects. They have the big heist type of sequence where they get into the lab. Um, Victor's dad actually helps them out in more ways than one. 
um, helps them once they break in and then helps them again when Steppenwolf shows up on the scene. Um, a lot of stakes, a lot, a lot of high stakes, I feel like, that are really just meant to help lead to an even bigger payoff. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah like it's you're building up to something extraordinary towards the end, which we see. Yeah, yeah, and, and I like that buildup. You know, I, I like that there is a action sequence that doesn't involve a whole lot of just randomly blowing stuff up for the sake of blowing stuff up. Like, they're finding a way right. to get access to the stuff that they need, but kind of do it behind the scenes, try and be low-key about it so they're not scaring anyone. Like, they evacuate the building. They, they try and get everybody to safety before they even try anything. Like, they're not just sneaking around behind the scientists' backs. Like, they're evacuating the facility. Victor's they, dead. But, you know, they barge in there. They're like, oh, everybody out. Like, they could try to fight everybody. Like, they just do it in a very peaceful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then they do what needs to be done. Even though it's a really tough decision, even though it's something that not everybody's on board with, I think Aquaman's kind of chicking out, chickening out a little bit at the end where he's like, don't yeah. do this, don't do this, don't do this. And like, we have to do this. This we is have a to. bad idea. Yeah, yeah, but they they still realize that it's like for the greater good, if you will. And even though they have trouble with Clark when he when he reawakens, like all of that just kind of helps you realize that you're not even to the final fight sequence yet and you still have some big stakes because if he doesn't wake up or if he does wake up and he wakes up evil, you're still royally screwed here and you've still got Steppenwolf to deal with. Like, it's a big gamble. It's a big risk. And luckily, it pays off, but there was no guarantee of that happening. So I like the risk involved in something like this, this one-off, one-shot opportunity type of thing. And if it doesn't work out, you're in an even bigger hole than you were in before. They got lucky. And I think this movie gives us a way better example of just how lucky the group got and help them realize, okay, he's awake. Now what? Right. Yeah. And, and like it shows how so screwed they are when he does wake up and he is there and he's, he doesn't know who he is. And he's strong. Wrecks all of them, every single one of them. Like they're like I love I love the moment when uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Cyborg they all go up to him and they he just all holds them back. Mm-hmm. And then we've spent the whole movie setting up the fact that the Flash is literally the fastest person ever. Like he's so fast, no one can even see him coming. Oh. And you see the moment when oh. he's coming and he's coming in and. Superman turns around and just his eyes meet. They're like, and and Barry's expressions goes like, "What the f?" And and it's like he's just keeping up with him. He's like, "Wow, like that's Superman. That is Superman." It shows what he's capable of, and like that's just the the example of the raw power. And I don't feel like that was very well expressed in Man of Steel. That's just me personally. I've got a lot of qualms with Man of Steel. But I don't feel like it gave like a great example of the raw power and the raw potential that he's got. This scene perfectly exemplified it because you've got their version of Earth's mightiest heroes trying to like calm him and subdue him. And 
it ain't happening. (laughs) And so you, you, you see that raw power and that raw potential. And then you see it again in the sixth scene when he finally shows up, like you, you guys were mentioning it earlier. They're kind of holding their own with, with Steppenwolf, but it's like, they're matching each other blow for blow. They get a good strike. He gets a good strike. They get something good happen. And then, you know, one of the parademons, uh, shoots the flash mid stride and he's got to like stop his momentum and start over again. Like they're going pound for pound blow for blow. But then when Superman shows up, it's like a game changer. Suddenly Steppenwolf is like taken aback. He's like taking steps back. He's more nervous about his approach. And then when his ax like actually lands on 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 Superman's shoulder, so and he just like freezes it with his breath, and then just, Not just it. I was like, "That's what he does with his breath. What is he going to do with his muscles?" Yeah, the music is like do 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 do. Like it's just so epic. It's so great. <laughs> like I love just the whole. He's got him on the ground, and he's just like he he lasers off one of his horns, and he just continues to just go <laughs> boom boom. Oh, and you're seeing these shockwaves from him just beating the ever-loving crap and lasering <laughs> Steppenwolf, and uh, you almost feel sorry for Steppenwolf in that point. Yeah, like, but this guy like, is so out of it. Yeah, like Steppenwolf still tries running at him, though. Like he's not—he's standing his ground. Whereas in the theatrical cut, he has such a lame death. It's like yeah. he—he's afraid, and then the—they wrote in the thing of like the parademons are attracted to fear, and I guess they like overtake him or whatever and it's it's so freaking lame so he he doesn't even get like devoured on screen they just take him up into a boom tube and he's just done like (laughs) so just like lame villain stuff and this one they literally here they're superman does all this stuff to him and then arthur stabs him through the chest and then flings him and then superman i think superman punches, punches him punches he him. flies and then and then diana comes up and slashes him and cuts his head off yeah and, and he lands the through the gets, portal yeah the head gets stepped on by dark side i've got that i've got that in my notes i call it the aqua stab super punch wonder beheading <laughs> hashtag oh man I've, i'll cry talk about teamwork Oh, man, but that's what I love. That's what I love about this scene. And I know that we're kind of getting crunched for time and people have to go in a little while and all that sort of thing. But I really don't want to, like, cut corners with this scene, like, as much as possible. Because, you know, you, you've got Cyborg entering the Unity and, like, breaking it apart from the inside. And, like, each part of the three boxes represent different parts of him you see his mother and his father and himself and he like has to forcibly separate them even though the thing he wants most in life is to have his family back together again he has to separate all of that forcibly for the sake of saving the planet i loved that i loved bruce like crossing his own line and taking up a parademon weapon and he's actually shooting a gun in this movie it's a parademon blaster type weapon, but that's always been a line in other Batman movies that he never crosses. He'll he'll use grappling guns, he'll use explosives mm-hmm. and, and knives and stuff, but he never uses a gun. But the stakes are so big in this scene and in this sequence that he has to do that. You see 
Barry, and and you know we mentioned it earlier, and his 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 basically turning back time and and reversing time in order to like save the day. That's something that you know I I guess I kind of saw it coming, but at the same time I was very pleasantly surprised to see it. I didn't think they would try it, and they did. Like Wonder Woman and and her her martial arts and the music that goes alongside with her. Like, where where's that meme with the uh, flame? <laughs> it's just it's glorious every time she shows up in the scene. And I totally maxed out the Audacity audio with that vocalization, <laughs> so I apologize. I looked at that and it's just all purple, and I'm like, oops. <laughs> but like, everybody, I, gets I, their, it's only like eight two. seconds. It's like eight seconds. Or like six seconds of time that it takes that that Barry rolls back. He all that happens the entire Earth like it's not just like the Earth like just gets covered. It's obliterated. He's in space right. and he's standing there and just the incredible the music swells and he's running back and the Earth is forming underneath each of his footsteps. It's just like it's another thing about this movie that like I love it when I. We've been through so many. I've seen so many movies. We've been we're into you know hundreds of years, about a hundred years of movies that we're into so far. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything quite that imaginative and beautiful and amazing. Something that's so unique that you know, and that's saying something after we've seen so many superhero movies and so many movies in general. Yeah, it's like a modern version of the ending of the first Christopher Reeves Superman. You know. Like the right. turning back time and, you know, Superman is Flash's hero in this and he helped bring Superman back to life twice when you think about it, like with this uh-huh. thing. Yeah, yeah, because I love how you, you go back and like you can tell that even Superman has been obliterated, like down to his, just, he just. Yeah, you, been, you see the flesh and blood coming back over yeah, the phone and Victor's so skull, good. it's so, wow. The, the closest yeah. thing. The closest thing that I've seen, and I, I could be mistaken on this, but I believe there's a scene in one of the seasons of the Umbrella Academy where maybe it's Umbrella Academy. I can't remember. I think it is. There, I think there's a scene in the Umbrella Academy where uh, they all they have to do is uh, go back in time by like 10 or 15 seconds. And that little bit of time is enough to alter the course of the events that transpire. Mm. And I think like the, I think like the group gets ambushed, and the time traveler actually watches all of their uh, relatives and members of the group get shot up in the ambush. Wow. And then they remember the words from their mentor, who's like, you know, ten seconds can make a world of difference or something. And they go back in time by ten seconds, and they have just enough time to be able to thwart the ambush and save the day. So I, I, I felt like there were definitely some some vibes um, of that, where Flash is trying to run back in time and save the day, but the stakes are so much bigger than than just trying to save your family. Like this guy essentially saves the world here's the one part that i don't get though and and maybe we finish talking about this before we get into the epilogue and we're probably not gonna have too much time for the epilogue unfortunately but um why did dark side close the portal after steppenwolf came through he knows that the anti-life equation is there he's got a huge force behind him 
why did he choose to to close the portal and assemble the armada when he could have just stepped through the portal and and chosen to fight the justice league himself because he's a scaredy cat <laughs> he saw he he saw like i i think i think that's like it's the it's the avengers moment it's yeah at, I the, know. End, at, the, at, the, at the end of avengers they're like okay you know i love the nick fury line like you know now every world knows like we mean business we can defend ourselves that's like the justice league going like okay what are you gonna do what are you gonna do we're right here come get us come get us come on come on like that's them like saying and he doesn't take them up and they're saying like we'll use the old ways i don't know what that means again you're right they do have a portal there why don't they just attack but i think it's a you know it's it's dark side going like well crap um, this is going to be a lot harder, a lot harder than I thought. So I'm going to have to go back and to the drawing board and uh, uh, recruit some people so that I can take over Earth properly. But but Steppenwolf was a failed underling. He was he was the 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 Ronin to DC's Thanos. You know, like I I, I don't understand why. He would be so intimidated by an underling dying. I would have expected that. If I'm going to send my version of Robin to go fight the Injustice League, then yeah, I would expect him to die, which is something that gets talked about in the epilogue, which I love. I love that scene, by the never, way. Never send a boy to do a man's job. Oh my gosh. The one time, the one time I've actually gotten mildly on board with Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> mildly. Didn't care for him in Suicide Squad, but this had a little bit more of that classic crazy clown prince of crime that I've always been more on board with. When he called Mira his little fish stick, I was like, oh yeah, that's the Joker, alright. See, it's... I had... Go ahead, Jay. Oh, uh, I was just... I, I I was I was I had Joker and Steven and Batman all in my head at the same time, and that's what came out. And that's Jake. Yeah, I'm, yeah, sure. uh, I'm, I'm Jake Damon under this I'm mask. Sure, yeah. I'm sure um, they miss him. Okay, flattered by that. We, we all do. Uh, we, we hope you're listening, Jake. Even Fender meets Batman meets what was it? Uh, the the Joker. Yeah, Joker. That, that, that's that's who Jake Damon is. The J. <laughs> Right. I was just going to say it is better uh, than how he was in Suicide Squad, but I still have mixed feelings about Leto's delivery as the Joker. Like, I feel like it wasn't quite there to me. Like, I think it could have definitely been better, but I did like the dialogue that was written for this scene. At least. Mm-hmm. See, I had the opposite reaction to Zach. I was like, the first time I watched it, I'm like, okay, you know, this is cool. This is cool. You know, it's the end of the world thing. This last time I watched it, like, Jared Leto, you're such a weirdo. Why is yeah. this happening? Why? Why, Zack Snyder? Um, it's, oh. not, it's not that bad. I Like, I get it. It's a, it's a style. Jared Leto's doing his thing. It's cool. Batman and Joker together. This, I mean, I would love to see, like, take my money, do that, part two, Justice League part two you know, nightmare sequence. I'm all for that. But uh, I just, Jared Leto's Joker, it just, it doesn't, uh, does not sit right with me for some reason. See, and, and I, I would, I, I, my imagination sees another movie transpiring 
where you actually get to watch like different sequences of events that lead up to that scene. Yeah, like Harley Quinn's death that's mentioned. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, you you see some of those different things unfold, and then you actually watch that scene again. That exact scene, exactly the way it gets played out in the dream sequence. You get to actually see that scene in the middle of the movie that is unfolding. I feel like we'd have better context of Leto's Joker, and we just have better context of the situation at large, more so than what we get right now. Don't get me wrong, it's a fascinating scene as is, but I I would have loved to have seen another movie get built around that scene so that we get to see the stuff that comes before and after it. Yeah, like there's like you just dropped into the middle of it. You're just like, "Whoa, what yeah. is happening? Like how did we get here and how are we going to get out of this?" Like that's fascinating. And like I, I don't know what I would be curious, like what Zack Snyder's trying to do with this specific specific scene, like this specific, um, like what is he trying to do? Because obviously he knew that he's done after this. This is his last movie, probably. Um, you know, is he just like, is this just like an fu to WB to say, hey, I'm gonna do this, even though I'm not gonna follow up on it. Um, is this him hoping that he can come back to it? Because if I was him, I'm not sure I'd want to come back. I think I think he's, um, you know, I think he's done himself. But like, you know, it's uh, I just I'm curious what Snyder has planned and what he wants out of this. I, I recall him saying that he included that stuff because he was like, well, if it's Zack Snyder's Justice League, then like this stuff has to be included. Like I like it could be partially an FU to WB, but because like they said, don't film new stuff. And he did anyway, but I think it was, <laughs> I, think, I think it was also partially like to, sh- to give the, like the fans who supported this an idea of like, what would have happened like after this, like just give them a little bit extra um, regardless of whether or not it happens. And yeah, like he, like he said, he might be, done because like he might not be very into like doing established ips like this given like everything that's happened but yeah um, i I mean like given the whole situation like i would rather have this scene than nothing like yeah we got this scene and that you know maybe some maybe it's not Zack Snyder maybe somebody else can come along and tell that story eventually yeah Um, I like that we got everything like even if you can trim this down I do like that we got everything got to see all of this yeah 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 I would I definitely prefer the extended version over something being condensed so Snyder, this is the ultimate in an artist, a filmmaker executing their vision. And that's, that's, I think that's the, it's the purest form. I think we all agree that like, I want filmmakers to be able to do what they want to do and tell their story. And this is one of those instances. Like, it's a fascinating concept. Like this whole experience of like the Snyder cut coming along. And then for a while I heard that it didn't exist. And I believe that. And Oh yeah! Now here we are talking about it. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, in the multiverse, anything is possible. <laughs> apparently, apparently. Um, so I'm going to ask one more question, and we'll tie this into our final thoughts and uh, planet scores out of ten because I know we're running out of time here. But this is one that 
Stephen actually presented to us to put in the show notes beforehand, <laughs> and I'm, I want to I want to get people's thoughts on it. Um, how do you feel like Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and now Zack Snyder's Justice League? How well do they mesh as a trilogy? So we'll lead that off as our question. We answer that, go into our final thoughts and scores out of 10. Ben, you lead off, bud. Yeah, um, because I was just thinking about the other day, I saw someone post, you know, that horse meme where it's like, Oh, yeah, the horse I saw is that like, today. is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like poorly drawn or whatever. Someone put like, you know, the horse is like beautifully drawn across the whole thing. And it's, you know, uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman and, and th- this movie. And I was like, I don't know if I totally agree with that because I have my issues with Man of Steel. I definitely have my issues with BBS, but like, I think it does work. And I think in retrospect, thinking about, okay, well, it's done. It's, it's over. We got these three movies. It does work as a trilogy. You could say it's a, even a Superman trilogy, probably. It's probably a trilogy for a lot of things, but like, ultimately, it does work like that. I like to think of it that I think these, it makes these movies stronger. And I would, I actually want to like go back and watch like Man of Steel BBS again with this in mind and kind of like i need to do a marathon yeah yeah i would totally i think that would be amazing um i in theater marathon that's what i want that would be amazing because i haven't seen any of these movies that would would be really cool do a do a re-release of all three of them exactly exactly they really should do that so like i think it works very well as a trilogy i think you you can have the snyder trilogy whatever you want to call it I think these movies are all stronger for that. Even with my problems with them, I have problems with all three of these movies. I think they work better together and they are telling a more cohesive story throughout. So I think it works really well like that. But as far as my final thoughts for Justice League, as I've said, I love this movie. I loved it way more than I thought I would. I think I gave a planet score last week, probably. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. So I'm gonna give another planet score tonight. Um, but overall, like it's it's a brilliant movie. I think it it does everything that I want from a movie, and it's it's has a you know very well paced, well acted, incredible visual effects, all around a masterpiece. Yes, I'm using the word masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. One of my favorite superhero films of all time. I went with Zach there, and it's it, it made my it was my number one on my top five DC films um, last week. So uh, there you go. I'm going to give this one a nine point five out of ten. Ooh, I think I took a point off. I put half a point off for uh, for the hot dog scene last time. So I'll take a half a point off for Jared Leto's Joker this time. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, you guys already know I said it earlier at the top of the show. It's a nine out of ten for me. Uh, very, very few complaints. Uh, a very enjoyable ride. It's probably a little longer than most of my attention span is usually for, but that's what the chapter breaks are for, and that's why we were able to do it on on this type of a film. You know, I'm not thrilled about the hot dog scene. I'm not thrilled about Leto's Joker. Um, but overall, uh, I think. This is some of DC's best work since The Dark Knight. So uh, I'm with you there, Freddie. It's not a perfect movie, but Masterpiece is probably a very good descriptor for it. Uh, Thanks to our producer, Sean, who has hopped on on the tail end of the program, helping us highlight some of the chats that we've gotten. But yeah, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. Batman, you are up, sir. Yeah, so while it does, while the three movies do tell a continuous story, I don't. I still think they're pretty disjointed as a trilogy, not just on a quality level, but also just 
you know, the first movie is from Superman's point of view. He's the main character. Then the middle one is like, he's not the main character. Like it's like you're introducing Batman and like also bringing Wonder Woman and all these other characters like Lex Luthor. Right. And then like in this third movie, like he's not even in most of it. Like he does have a presence because they want to revive him, but he's not really back toward the end. It's not really from his point of view. So from that perspective, I feel like it doesn't really work completely well as a trilogy. Um, I mean, you do have like other trilogies in like the MCU where they don't mesh as well because you have other movies in between or like in Captain America, you have this time period and these other two are like the present and the third one is more of an Avengers-ish movie, like kind of shoving everything in there. Right. Um, so, uh, so like we, I guess we don't have that many cohesive superhero trilogies from that perspective, but all that being said, I, I loved Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm very surprised to, like, like my past self would be very surprised to like hear myself saying this now. <laughs> um, Same. And, and um, yeah, and just like the passion that went into this one and the four autumn caption and the end credits and the song that followed yeah. is just so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, wonderful yeah. tribute oh. to his daughter. Great. Um, yeah, and... Like, I've been saying for a while, like, Birds of Prey was my favorite DCEU film, but I think this may have bumped it down a tiny bit. So, uh, like, the numbers, like, the way we use number scores is weird. Sometimes we'd go back and forth and change our minds or whatever. Um, I'm struggling to choose between 9 and 9.5, so I'm going to split the difference and say, overall, this movie gets... uh, 9.25 9.25 out of 10 for me. Like all of his 9.25. Wow. All right. Well, everybody gave it a nine or above uh, here on the show tonight. Freddie gave it an eight. Kenny gave it an eight. George just gave us a nine out of 10. Uh, he said, uh, it's not a, not a perfect movie, um, but almost. So uh, I think I think that is that is some of some of the some of the higher praises. A solid seven point five from the folks of Phantom Empire. I'm assuming that's uh, Sean using the admin page, uh, hitting us up there, telling us his thoughts on the film as well. Overall, seems to be a pretty well enjoyed film, and rightfully so. Uh, I know we're getting kind of bunched up for time, so barbecue watch isn't even going to be an actual barbecue watch tonight. It's going to be a Look at my barbecue watch themed shirt. I'm going to show it off one more time because we actually have BBQ watch swag. We've got stuff with the with the planet logo and the uh, Phantom Empire T public page has the RIPC swag available. So you can hit us up at our main T public page and you can find BBQ watch stuff. You can find uh, the the IPC shirt like the one that Batman over there is wearing uh, and everything that you pay for some of the proceeds actually go back into the program or it goes back into phantom empire depending on which page you go to so um please be sure to to give your support there chad gives it a 10 out of 10 he was on the show last week and we appreciate him bailing me out like he did uh jesse gives it a 9 out of 10 so i mean it's a it's a very very high overall rating if i, I was get the peak i get the feeling people like this movie wow what a surprise and it took us long enough to talk about it uh we're gonna get around to loki a lot quicker than we did snyder cut 
Be on the lookout for that in two weeks, folks. We will be doing an episode of Loki, but you've got to be following us to find out exactly where we're doing it. I don't think we've nailed that down yet. We may try and do IPCs. Go, go, um, go, go intergalactic peace hangout. Yeah, find the, inter- the the IPC hangout group, the public group, and you'll find out where we're going. We may do Facebook Live. We may do our YouTube page. We may do something else entirely. Who knows? So uh, we will be doing an episode next week, but it'll be on a different platform. There were just some scheduling conflicts with the Phantom Empire team. That's cool. That's fine. We're working it out so that we can give you a show next week. So be tuning in for when that's going to happen. Um, we said to go follow us in the IPC Hangout. Follow us at IPC Podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well. We've also got an Instagram page. Hasn't been used as much as we would like it to, but you can follow us there as well at IPC Podcast on Instagram. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash IPC Podcast. You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and StarWarsUnderworld.com. And, of course, right here on Phantom Empire. We do shows every two weeks, but the Phantom Empire team does a show every week. They've also got a podcast. They've got the Rick and Morty fan show. There's all kinds of content happening here on this channel. So be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And uh, stay tuned for all the awesome content that's going to be coming up. Steven. Thanks for hopping on the program with us tonight, man. Where <laughs> Batman. Batman. It says Steven on the caption. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Oh, no, the logo's not hiding my identity anymore. Ah. <laughs> Steven Wayne, whatever. Bruce Jinder, I don't know. Uh, where can the folks at home keep up with you uh, when they're not tuning into your surprise appearances here on IPC? They can follow me at Batman. No, I'm kidding. They can follow me. <laughs> At Steven Schinder on Instagram and Twitter, Steven Schinder Storytelling on Facebook. That's where I share like various things I'm involved with. Um, you also got stevenschinder.com, see info on my book, Lemons of Mike Rain. Uh, I'm still in the progress of like revising the next book. So good stuff coming sometime in the future. And you can also find my podcast, Delayed Replay, where we improvise movie reviews of movies we didn't see because they got delayed and we pretend we saw them in this universe where they came out on time uh i recently had zach on the indiana jones 5 episode oh, yeah. that was uh, a good episode yeah that was a lot of fun uh, and the one coming out tomorrow as of when we're recording is on spider-man no way home that was a lot of fun as well Ooh. and yeah and me and my dad also started a podcast called yes shift uh, where we talk about the progressive rock band Yes, which has been around for 53 years now. Oh, uh, wow. You, oh, wow. Yeah, you, you can find both of those on anchor.fm and they're on various platforms are listed there, like Spotify and Apple. So yeah, just go check those out. And yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. So thanks for having me on this episode. Thanks for coming, man. Thanks for being here, man. I'm going to be gone in the fall. I think one of my one of my last episodes is either going to be Loki or the episode that happens after Loki, and then football season starts up, and I'm going to be gone for a while. So you may see Batman's face again <laughs> in the not-too-distant future. Um, I'll try and pop in whenever I can. There's going to be a couple of uh, off weeks and games on Thursdays instead of Fridays and stuff like that. But please go follow Zach the Voice to keep up with all that different stuff. I'm on basically every platform at Zach, the voice, go to Facebook, yep. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitch. 
Uh, Venmo. Shoot me a Venmo at Zach the Voice. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Bruce, Bruce Wayne will just Venmo you a million dollars. I could podcast full time for the rest of my life on one million dollars. Got but, any more of those million dollars <laughs> for me? They love you. But yeah, that's where y'all can keep up with my stuff. Ben, where can the folks at home keep up with you? Well, it says so on the screen. You can follow me right there, right there. Ben Hart with no E. Um, on the, the social medias, um, you can follow at the Star Wars Underworld for the Star Wars Underworld podcast. Um, you can also follow at Culture Slate at Star Wars Culture because um, I was recently on that episode. We talked about original trilogy trailers. It was a lot of fun. I had a bunch of people on, and it was grassed. It was a blast, and uh, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a great blast. It was a grassed. Ah, it's getting late guys it's getting really late um so uh yeah peace out y'all uh this was fun yeah for steven and for ben i'm zach thanks so much for tuning in this week we'll see you in two weeks for our discussion on the tv series loki but until then good night everyone